are entering the Freedom Hut. More violence against Republican politicians, and surprise, surprise, the mainstream media is asleep at the wheel. Or are they just ignoring it on purpose this time? We'll talk about that and also some leaks of sensitive information meant to help the anti-Trump resistance. I'll tell you where that came from and what it tells us about the deep state coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This is The Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to The Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Great to have you here, as always. Coming to you live from the swamp, Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Why isn't one of the top stories on every major website in the country right now that in the last few days there have been not one but two Republican candidates for office physically assaulted right in the weeks before the midterms? I ask you, how many of you even heard about this? How many of you have seen anything about this? And I would wonder, why is it that if you were to go, for example, right now to CNN.com, they would have for you as their main story, Trump gets ready to throw Republicans under the bus. Uh, That's their main story. And they have it under analysis. You see, analysis for the mainstream media is the place where punditry that doesn't want to be challenged gets put. Because they'll have it under reporters byline. But they'll say, well, I'm just doing analysis, man. That's where the opinions go. It's a dodge. Because then when they get challenged, they say, well, no, no, no. It's not a, this isn't an opinion thing. This is an analysis. Oh, okay. One of their favorite, uh, one of their favorite games they would play was I would go on and I would be a right wing political commentator. They would then have somebody from the left, like, I don't know, Anna Navarro. Oh, that's right. She said she's a Republican. Isn't that funny? They'd call that person an analyst or a strategist. Oh, that sounds like they must be smart. Right-wing pundit. Oh, that's a right-wing commentator. That's just a loudmouth who yells about things. Well, I've actually done real things in life, unlike 90% of the people who go on TV. But at CNN, they don't mind these things. Here's the story. Hat tip, big hat tip to National Review for doing this reporting. And Jack Crow gets the byline here. Quote, two Republican candidates for state office in Minnesota have been physically assaulted in recent days, leading prominent Republican lawmakers to caution their Democratic colleagues against employing inflammatory rhetoric. Republican State Representative Sarah Anderson was punched in the arm last week after confronting a man who was destroying yard signs promoting Republican candidates. It was just insane. He was charging at me saying, why don't you go kill yourself, Anderson told the Washington Free Beacon, To have someone physically coming after you and attacking you is just disheartening. Uh, Folks, this is a man who physically assaulted a woman and was screaming at her, why don't you go kill yourself because she's running for a Republican state office? How is that not a national news story, given the climate we're in right now? Why, Why haven't we seen just lots and lots of pieces on this one? Are we becoming too violent as a society? Has the left wing gone insane? The answer is yes. What's happening here? What's happening to this country? Why am I reading that Tucker Carlson, who's been in this game for decades now and is at the top of the game, 
doesn't feel comfortable going into restaurants in his own town here in D.C. Why is it that White House administration officials feel like they have to live their lives under siege, even outside the White House? And why is it that people keep asking me, Buck, do you have enough protection for yourself in case things go bad? And these are people who are concerned about my welfare, my well-being. The answer is yes, but I won't get into any specifics. Point here, folks, is something is up. The left has radicalized. It's not going to happen everywhere and all the time. It's going to happen in some places some of the time, but it sends a very important and very destructive message to the rest of us that this thing can happen, that a woman running for state office can be attacked and no one even cares. Can you imagine for one moment if, let's say, a minority female running for a state assembly in New York was attacked by a guy wearing a MAGA hat, ran up to her, said, go kill yourself, and punched her in the arm. Do you think that'd be a news story, my friends? Do you think we'd hear, you think on CNN we'd have Cuomo and Lemon crying, oh my gosh, what happened to the America I used to know? Oh yeah. Now, is it a news story? Of course, that. by the way, that would be a news story. But why is it not a news story that anyone pays any attention to on the Republican side? Why am I not hearing anything about this right now, right before a midterm election? Oh, by the way, that's not the only time in Minnesota in the last week a Republican has been attacked. Shane Meekland, quote, a first-time Republican candidate for the state legislature, suffered a concussion over the weekend after he was sucker-punched while meeting with constituents at a local restaurant. Quote, I was so overtaken by surprise and shock And if this is the new norm, this is not what I signed up for, said Meekland, who has suffered from memory loss and sensitivity to light since the incident. Local police confirmed that a suspect had had been identified in connection with these with both assaults and said charges will be likely filed in the coming days. The attacks took place after the Democrat Farmer Labor Party suspended a communication staffer for one week for writing in a Facebook post that Democrats would, quote, bring Republicans to the guillotine in the coming elections. (sighs) This is how they play the game. And it's not just fringe candidates. It's not just people that are on the outskirts of society. Cory Booker talked about still on the left as a possible 2020 presidential contender. He said this, quote, I think what people need to realize That when people like Cory Booker say, get up in their face, he may say that's, I'm sorry, this is Ron Paul quoting Cory Booker's statement to, quote, get up in the face of politicians they disagree with. Ron Paul's been talking about this. I'm sorry, Rand Paul. I talked to Ron earlier this week. I'm getting them confused. Rand Paul was talking about this. And and I think that, you know, if, if he were a Democrat, we'd have to hear about how Rand Paul's a victim, which he is, of more than one assault, both of them life threatening because of his politics in the last 12 months. Democrats don't want to hear about it, though. There's no story. There's no pattern, you see. There's nothing going on here, nothing to see here. They would tell you that this is all just all just the, the right wing manufacturing this hysteria about mobs, right? They don't like the term mobs, as we know from CNN. They don't want to hear about mobs. Huh. What do we call angry large groups of people that are threatening and sometimes attacking individuals on the street? What do we call large groups of people that show up in a concerted effort to intimidate, harass, threaten, scare, and upset people when they're trying to have a meal. 
that's not a mob. There's no such thing as a mob. But then again, Democrats still think that Elizabeth Warren's a Cherokee. So there's that. We are entering a very dangerous period here. Some of these threads that you are seeing now, some of these trends toward a radicalized and deeply angry left. It's not that all of them are Antifa. It's that enough of them support Antifa that we have a real problem on our hands. Uh, they won't be able to handle, they will not be able to process like normal, well-behaved adults if they don't at least win one branch of Congress back, if they don't at least get one part of, uh, if they don't get the House majority that they've been banking on. They're going to freak out. And there's enough of them now who really believe that Trump is, because the media likes to play this game, Trump is a fascist. He's basically Hitler. My former boss at the CIA, Mike Hayden, thought it would be funny to tweet out or instructive, whatever, a worthwhile commentary to tweet out photos of Nazi concentration camps and say that's what Trump is doing at our border. Cory Booker says get up in people's faces. Maxine Waters says get up, in, in other words, get up in people's faces. Prominent Democrat uh, prominent Democrats across the board are saying, well, people are angry, so I guess they are going to do everything that they can in order to intimidate. This is about intimidation. This is about, The threat of force is implicit in these mobs. The threat of violence is what is behind these people who are yelling, who are shouting curses. We have a man speaking to a woman and this is just to make the rounds last day. And I, I can't tell you the exact origins of this video. Um, it's, it was making the rounds on Twitter. So I'm, I'm just going with what I saw here. But it was getting a lot of play. It went viral yesterday. And we have one woman who I believe, according to what I read, is a Trump supporter. And another person you can just tell is not. And John, did we bleep out? There's a lot of profanity, but we, ble we bleeped it all, right? Okay. This is a window into the mind of of progressive activists and the left today. Play clip 16. Block me, I'm trying to walk here. I obey traffic signals. You're a snarky little fucking idiot. Shut the up. Try something. I'm not, I'm not gonna punch you. I'm not like your husband. I'm not gonna punch you. I'm not like your boyfriend or your top boyfriend who's gonna knock you out, so don't worry. My husband died in 9-11. Good for him, good. Good. Those NYPD were a bunch of sodomizing, sodomizing immigrants with their bully sticks. So yeah, your your husband probably rot in the grave. That's how the left thinks these days, folks. That's a nice little window into the people that think that they should mob politicians at restaurants, that they should spit on conservatives at rallies, that they should start fights, and then act like, oh, it's, it's the far right coming for me. That's what's going on here. You heard that man make fun of domestic abuse? Yeah, your, your boyfriend will punch you. I'm not like that. Said that it's good that her husband, who died in 9-11, according to the woman in the clip, it's good that he died, this guy said. It's good that he died. Then referred to the NYPD as a bunch of sodomizers. I used to work for the NYPD. I would... Oh, man, I, I would love to hear this guy say that stuff to some of my old colleagues in the Intel division, hopefully when they were off duty. See how that goes for him. He says the MIT, NYPD, the largest police department in the country, one of the most effective, by the way, one of the best 
anywhere in the world. They're a bunch of sodomizers, he says. Because, of course, this guy really cares about immigrants. Yeah, I care about immigrants so much. And then says that this woman's husband, who she says died on 9-11. I, I, don't, I don't have background in her. But that's what she's saying. And he doesn't even blink. He just says, yeah, I hope he rots in the grave. Nothing is sacred to these people. Nothing is too low for them. Their minds have been poisoned by this loop of MSNBC and the young Turks or the young jerks and all the rest of them. CNN, the Washington Post, the New York Times, their minds have been poisoned. They think that they're smart when they talk about how the president has to be removed by the 25th Amendment. They think they're savvy when they discuss the coming fascism in this country. They're hysterical imbeciles. But they're also getting dangerous. And they are really destroying some of what holds us all together in this country. Rule of law, basic respect and decency for our fellow Americans. They, they don't believe in any of that. This is what we are up against. Remember that as we go into these midterms. The best repudiation of that disgusting scum of a human being that you just heard on that audio, the best repudiation of him and his beliefs is to make sure that the people that he supports and that share his beliefs, the Democrats, do not get power. Deny them the thing they seek above all else. Deny the Democrat statist progressives power. They're going to kick, they're going to scream, they're going to go crazier. But we have to hold the line. Got more on this and also Khashoggi and the investigation. Fallout from Elizabeth Warren's nonsense. We got that and more coming up. I was there at the ball field when Stephen Scalise almost died uh, from a very, very angry, violent man who was incited really by rhetoric on the left. And this hasn't been reported enough. When he came onto the field with a semi-automatic weapon, firing probably close to 200 shots at us, shooting five people and almost killing Steve Scalise, he was yelling, this is for health care. He also had a list of conservative legislators, Republicans in his pocket that he was willing to kill. Mm -hmm. So what happens when, when Democrats say get up in their face, they need to realize that there are a lot of unstable people out there. There are people with anger issues. There are people that are prone to violence. They might even live next door to you. You don't know where these people are. But what we shouldn't do is incite people to violence. And there is going to be an assassination if this doesn't ratchet down. And I think the other side needs to really calm the rhetoric down. When I pointed out that Senator Rand Paul there said that Hodgkinson, the guy who tried to kill as many conservative members of Congress as possible, and would have, had it not been for two brave Capitol Police officers. When I pointed out on Twitter that that was what Rand Paul said, that this is for health care, was what the guy was yelling. Do you know what they said to me? You know what blue check, meaning verified journalist Twitter, was going after me with? He's lying. He's lying? I, I thought we had to believe victims. What, what do you mean? Why would he lie about that? Well, why would the press instinctively try to almost defend this Hodgkinson maniac who fortunately was shot down when he was trying to do this. What is wrong with them? But then again, just as I was in the break, I see the following. The editor-in-chief of Politico, John Harris, in response to a Larry Sabato tweet, Larry Sabato writes, white nationalist leader, wants to take over the GOP. And the head 
of Politico, okay, which is supposed to be just politics, man. We're just journalists. We don't have an opinion. We're not we're not pushing an agenda. Bull. Just like CNN. Bull. You want to be an appendage of the DNC? Fine. Just own it, okay? And then we can fight on a level playing field. Stop this. I'm just a journalist. I'm just a fan. It's garbage. Lies. Lies. But Harris, over at Political Editor-in-Chief, tweeted out about, quote, white nationalist leader wants to take over the GOP, thought that job had been filled. Oh, okay. Oh, he's, he's saying Trump. He's saying Trump. And Ronna McDaniel, the GOP chairwoman, uh, responded, this offensive statement from the head of Politico is another example of why distrust in the media is at an all-time high. She's absolutely right. When you're the head of a pretty large, in terms of readership, news website like Politico, and you're holding yourself out there as a political journalist, and you are making casual jokes about how you think the president is a white nationalist, a.k.a. a neo-Nazi, is it any surprise that there are people who are chasing Republicans into restaurants? Is it any surprise that we have women running for state office in Minnesota being attacked by a maniac physically who's also yelling, go kill yourself? When at the very top level of the so-called resistance, there is no good faith, no decency, no kindness. Why wouldn't we expect that to have ramifications across society? How about they make an argument? Why don't they try to take on, for example, oh, why was Obama better at being president than Trump is? You know why they want to take on that argument? Because their argument stinks. Because they can't have a good one other than, oh, Obama was so smart and brilliant and great and wonderful. That's not stuff. That's not things. Tell me what he did that is better. Oh, it's terrible. Trump's a racist. Great. Such a compelling argument you've made. They're pathetic. They really are. And don't forget this. They sneer at you and at me. They think that we are intellectually and morally beneath them because we see good things happening in the country and are willing to say, those are good things. Has anybody ever said to you, Mr. President, let me have your phone. I want to take your phone away from you for just a brief shining moment. We don't want any more of these tweets. Anybody ever tried that? No, and, and I don't think I'd be talking to you if I did that. That's a way of getting out the message. Look, we have fake news. Everyone's fake. There's so much misinformation being put out. That's my only form of communicating, really, other than having a press conference every hour. But I, I really believe if I didn't do that, Stuart, number one, I probably wouldn't even be here talking to you. But you like it, too, don't you? I do like it. It's a form of getting out the truth. They hate, I mean, the mainstream media hates that Trump has this personal information fire hose that he can turn on at any point in time and just let it rip. They want to be the gatekeepers, you see. CNN wants to decide, does he get an interview or not? You know, Does this person's message get out there or not? Same at MSNBC, ABC, all these different networks. They, they want to be the ones that get to form the narrative. It's a lot harder to form the narrative if Trump's like, no, that's not true. You guys are liars, and tens of millions of people can see it right away. That's why they're so upset about this. That's why they get so angry. And that's why I'll tell you later on, I actually got it a little a little tete-a-tete with a CNN executive today via Twitter who you know takes issue with the fact that I called out that their coverage of the Elizabeth Warren DNA debacle was hysterical and 
highly partisan, and they were trying to at first kind of help her a little bit, and then they got annihilated, and so then they go, oh, I guess maybe this DNA didn't prove what. <laughs> it's just so obvious. It's so obvious. But they pretend that it's not. They pretend that uh, the president's the problem. You see, when he calls, when he talks about fake news, now whenever a journalist anywhere in the world is thrown in prison or is killed by some despotic regime, it's Trump's fault. Oh, isn't that amazing? Isn't that, isn't that cute? Uh, here, here's another thing. Do you think that if Trump started saying nicer things about the press, that they would stop saying that it's his fault? No, of course not, because they like this line. They, they think this is great. It can't be disproven. It makes the media feel like a bunch of martyrs, and they are a bunch of crybabies. And sure enough, now they have a president who calls them out and makes them feel uncomfortable about their lies, and they can't handle it. Ann Coulter, who is one of the true greats. You know, we've had her on the show many, many times, and she's a great lady and a great writer uh, and has done so much for conservatism. I I would argue that Ann has been the most, although this is not a word that people who are good writers like to use in this way, but most impactful conservative author of the last 20 years. I think you could make that argument. Um, and you know, she's also a great lady. I I just think she's a lot of fun and she has taken to task. I mean, this is such a perfect example of what, when we're talking about fake news, what do we mean? Mike, do we have the clip by the way? Um, because, okay, we're getting it. So, so on CNN, there's Anna Cabrera. I actually did some segments with Anna and back in the day and she decided to go after Trump on this notion of how it's a scary time for, that she claims the president said, it's a scary time for young white men. Uh, she said, quote, white men have a lot to fear right now, according to Trump. Um, that's not what he said. He said, it's a scary time for young men in America. How did white get inserted into this? Anne's pointing this out in her column. How is it that Anna Cabrera has a very clear quote We've all seen it. I played it on this show. President Trump said it's a scary time for young men in this country. How does that get turned into? Well, I mean, here, here's here's what the president act. Do we have play play Trump and Trump Jr. saying it's a scary time for men? Play it. Oh, uh, we'll come back to it. We're we're about to get it. We we have it. We just got to find it. But they what they said is very is very easy to understand. It's very clear, and they. Somehow, they somehow took this. Uh, they somehow took this and made it into an issue of. It's a scary time for white men. White men have a lot to fear right now. Um, and you have to ask the question: Why did that get inserted in there? Why did that all of a sudden turn into an issue of white men? Here's what the president said: Play it. Well, I say that it's a very scary time for young men in America when you can be uh, guilty of something that you may not be guilty of. This is a very, very, this is a very difficult time. Right? I got boys and I got girls. And when I see what's going on right now, it's scary for all things. I mean, I wouldn't want who my... You, who are you scared most for, your sons yeah, or your daughters? I mean, right now, I'd say my sons. The other problem is that for the people who are real victims of these things, when it is so obviously political in cases like this, it... It really diminishes 
the real claims. Now, nowhere in either of their statements does that there's the word white up here. And this is very important, I would know, because one of the problems that the weaponization of the Me Too movement by the Democrats, by the left, one of the issues with that is that disproportionately, especially on college campuses, sexual assault allegations without any evidence affect young minority men. Young black and Hispanic men are often the targets of false allegations when it comes to sexual assault. The left knows this. The left knows that based on the numbers and based on what we see with false allegations in general, it's going to disproportionately affect young black and Hispanic men. But they won't address that issue or that question because it causes problems for them politically. They don't want young black and Hispanic men to realize that for the Democrats, if the most powerful political tool they have is this Me Too movement, if they have to, you know, throw a few young minority men on that on that altar, they'll do it. They'll do it. You know, that, that's the price they're willing to pay for power. So Anne in her column about what Anna Cabrera at CNN said points out that how did how could you all of a sudden just assume that it, where does white come from? That how did that happen? Not only did Cabrera reference white men in in reference to what Trump's statement was, then she brought on a guest, Mark Lamont Hill, whom I've I've actually met I, I I know professionally a little bit from from the green room here and there. I mean he's a guy who goes on TV and oftentimes calls people racist or calls out racism. That that's his his. A large portion of his public commentary is around issues of race and essentially calling everybody a racist who's a Republican. Uh, and he was brought on specifically to tackle how racist this comment was. So you had a CNN commenter manufacture a quote by the president of the United States in a way that had to be deliberate. Bring on a black commentator to just shred the president for sexism and racism and how could he and, you know, it's all white privilege and the patriarchy, all that, all that kind of stuff. If it were an accident, wouldn't they have, as Anne points out in her column, corrected it right away? Wouldn't they have said, whoa, hold on a second, we got that quote wrong. No, 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 it took days, days for the correction to come out there. How is that not fake news? It's not an accident, and it's not accurate, and it was done to serve a purpose. The purpose was anti-Trump. I repeat the question. How was that not fake news? I don't think we'll get any good answers from CNN. There's a lot of sensitivity in the mainstream media right now about this issue because they keep clowning themselves. They keep messing up in ways that are very obvious. And when they mess up in these obvious ways, they resort to either name-calling or changing the subject or anything other than dealing with what's so blatant, which is that they are activists at keyboards. They go on TV and they write their columns and they post their stuff to take down Trump at every opportunity. They have a right to do this. They have a First Amendment right to do this but we can also, under our First Amendment rights, demand that they are honest about it. 
and call them out because they are not. This isn't complicated anymore. The press is waging a war against this president. They're waging total war against this president. They don't want to see him defeated in the next election. They don't want him to make it in office to the next election. And they will cheat, they will lie, they will steal to achieve that. They'll break the law, in fact, to achieve that. Let me give you the latest example of that when we come back. So I have the Anna Cabrera audio. See, we were going to call for that before. Remember, we, we played it. President Trump said it's scary time for young men in America. Here's what she said. He said, play it. President Trump and his son, Don Jr., said this week, white men have a lot to fear right now. I'm sorry, where did that come from? Play it one more time, John. President Trump and his son, Don Jr., said this week, white men have a lot to fear right now. I played the audio for you guys. Did, did they say anything about white men? Nope. They did not. So what did they do here? Oh, that's right. They manufactured a pretext to, of course, get their audience all, oh, my gosh, you know, Trump and racism, and go for the most sensitive, fissile political topic they possibly could because they know that their audience wants to hear that Trump is a racist. They know they want to have an opportunity to bash Trump as a racist. And it's just like everything else. You know, the initial lie gets goes viral. The, oh, sorry, we made that up. Nobody pays any attention. Nobody cares. It's a disgrace. It is a disgrace. Speaking of what they're willing to do to stop Trump, a treasury, treasury official has been charged with leaking sensitive bank information to a reporter. Oh, that's right. An employee at Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network was arrested and charged with disclosing bank suspicious activity reports Tied to, who wants to guess? What investigation? Who wants to guess? The Russia investigation. What a shock. So here's somebody who is a government employee who thought, you know what I'll do to try to jam up somebody in Trump's orbit? I've read today that they think it was about Michael Cohen's finances. They had the wrong Michael Cohen, though. There's more than one. Uh, And released this information to, it is believed, BuzzFeed News. And BuzzFeed, of course, went with it, and there's this whole story. Now, that's not confirmed yet, but that is what I have read they think happens here. Um, So, quote, the criminal complaint against Ms. Edwards alleged that she leaked materials that led to about a dozen articles in 2017 and 2018 pertaining to, among other people in matters, Paul Manafort, Richard Gates, Maria Butina, the Russian ambassador in Washington, and a unit of Prevazon Holdings, a Russian company entangled in a money laundering case. BuzzFeed reporter who isn't, okay, it is a BuzzFeed reporter, who isn't identifying the charges is Jason Leopold, who was listed as an author on all 12 articles cited in the complaint. So here is a woman who is taking financial, remember, these are, folks, this is not reports about crimes. This is a, it's a, a suspicious activity report. This is the equivalent of releasing raw FBI background investigation and then using it for a report. Oh, you mean kind of like the stuff you might get for the dossier? But this is highly confidential, legally protected for good reason, because you can destroy someone's business with this. Oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so's got a few, a few suspicious financial transactions. You know what that means? Nothing. It means the government flags it, and then they might look into it a little bit. It does not mean that anyone has broken the law. In fact, the vast majority of them do not involve law-breaking. But here's somebody who, 40-year-old woman, 
thought that she would leak this information to the press to hurt Trump and his associates, that she would break her oath, that she would violate the law and ruin her career and now and now probably her life along with it because it was just that important to try to get Trump. Do you remember anybody during the Obama years from within the federal government who was explicitly to go after Obama and hurt Obama? Do you remember anyone who was leaking classified information or sensitive information about individuals and businesses? This is stuff FinCEN reports is for on, on anybody. This isn't even intelligence world stuff necessarily. It could be a, a suspicious financial transaction just because you put $8,000 in cash in the bank. You know, maybe you had a bank sale. That's why they keep this stuff so close hold. That's also why the IRS actually tries to protect people's information because they understand that if it, just, if it gets out there, it can do a lot of damage, that people's reputations will be harmed by this. So you have to wonder how many other federal government employees were willing to break the law and share information with the left-wing press to embarrass the administration. Remember, there was, from what I understand, there was nothing in any of this that tied to Trump. It was just people around him. Understand this, though. It sends a message. It sends a very clear message. If you work for Trump, if you work with Trump, you could be the subject of this kind of government activism. Somebody within the bowels of the bureaucracy with high-level sensitive access could decide to release information about you, too. Now, I'm not saying it will happen to you, but now it's something you have to think about, isn't it? And it's not just people that will work for Trump. How vocal are you going to be in your support for Trump? How willing are you to stand up publicly and say this? And then what is the cost that you would incur, you'd be willing to incur, in order to continue speaking out. They are waging a form of psychological warfare with these kinds of activities. Oh, oh, just this one? Oh, how about the guy who doxed a bunch of uh, Republican members of Congress who worked in the Congress, put all their private information out there? That's the kind of stuff that makes Senator Rand Paul's wife sleep with a loaded gun under her bed now. This isn't a one-off. These people are doing this stuff. Who leaked a conversation between General Flynn and the ambassador uh, from Russia, Sergei Kizilyak? Who did? Haven't found that person yet. I think it was a very senior Obama administration holdover. I've got some guesses. A horrific abuse of national security power and a destruction of an individual's privacy. That's how they play the game. They will break the law. They will weaponize the government against us. And then they'll turn around and say, why are you so mean when we win? Because we have superior arguments. Because we're right. Right. And they can cry and they can whine about this as much as they want. But we're right. Don't ever forget that either. I've got some thoughts on the Khashoggi debacle. Uh, I want to share those with you. And what, what, oh, by the way, what's the biggest problem the media addresses here? Oh, that's right. It's Trump's fault. We'll get to that. We've got a president that has already named journalists as being the enemy of the people. So don't be surprised when other countries take on a journalist, murder him, chop him into pieces, and dispose of him. Did Donald Trump, who has always been critical of the Washington Post, always been critical of his ownership, did anybody in the administration, did Jared Kushner, did they give uh, MBS sort of a nod and a wink to say it's okay? 
I wonder if you look at what's happened in the last 12 days and you wonder if enemy of the people rhetoric has anything to do with this, anything at all. The president's uh, attack on journalists is because of inaccurate and fake news reported. That's kind of the same excuse the Iranians use, the, Turk the Turks use, the Chinese use, and the Saudis use, right? Their issue is that these people who we think of as journalists are reporting inaccurate and fake news about those governments. So you can see the connection I'm making, right? I remember vividly a train trip up on the Acela when I talked to a group for international, an international group to protect journalists who told me it was within months of Trump taking office that they saw the worldwide threats to journalists going up. And, and let's face it, we have a president of the United States who says journalists are the enemy of the state. So uh, values like freedom of speech and dissent mm -hmm. uh, suddenly are very endangered around the world. See, folks, I told you, some guy gets killed, a Saudi citizen gets killed in Turkey because of his criticism of Saudi Arabia, and there you just had... Cable news talker after cable news talker, pundit after pundit, media folks left, well, not left and right, just when I mean that, you know what I'm saying, all over the place. They're not on the right. Saying the dumbest, craziest crap imaginable here. Just straight up going for it. Just straight up saying, yeah, that's right. You know, maybe, I mean, you had, you had Morning Joe, who I, I don't know what he thinks he stands for or, or what his contribution is. You know, it's like it's like the mean dumb girls have their own table in high school and Morning Joe is the head of it. Uh, because what are they really saying? Jared gave a wink and a nod. He he thinks that Jared, he thinks that that could ever happen. First of all, the notion that the Saudis would have mentioned this to anyone in the U.S. government is 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 crazy. That's not a reasonable, rational thing to believe or to say. OK, it's crazy. And the the idea that. Uh, that the Trump administration is in any way okay or or even complicit in this, right? You know, the, the charge just keeps shifting, but it's it's always just some attack on Trump, right? It's he doesn't do, he hasn't done enough. He hasn't done, it's only been, you know, what is it, a week now? They're trying to figure out what the heck happened here. What, are you going to trust the Turkish government and their leaks? Uh, the Turks have plenty of reasons to lie here. You can't just go on what, on Turkey's say so on this issue, you can't just say, "Oh, okay," because because Turkey tells us that they have audio of this. I mean, they're telling terrible details too. They're saying they cut off, saying they cut off his fingers and saw sawed him up while he's still alive. Pardon me, I know there's young people listening to the show, but these are just the these are the details of the murder as they're being told to us. I mean, just a gruesome, brutal murder. This isn't they didn't you know just sneak up behind him with a silenced pistol. I mean, that would be that would be terrible enough. This was a, a a torture murder of this guy, as we're being told by the Turks. Now, is that really what happened? Is that uh, I, I completely believe that that could have happened, but we would like to see some more proof, some more evidence other than just anonymous leaks through the media from the Turkish government, which has plenty of reasons to try and stick its thumb in the eye of the Saudis. So, do, but are the Saudis a bunch of thugs? Yeah, of course, the Saudis are bad news. So there's no, there's no good guys in that whole spat between the Saudis and the Turks and what's going on. There's, there's nobody that we can look at and say, oh, we can trust their word on this one. No, we've got to verify. But this idea that because Trump calls Jim Acosta a clown, which I would note that you know Obama used to trash Fox News, the one network that provided anything of a voice of opposition at all. Obama used to trash Fox News. On a, on, a, on a regular basis, and no one said anything about it, really. 
It was the one network that stood against him. And, you know, they're saying that because Trump is critical of the press, because he expresses his opinion about a media apparatus that is entirely against him. Because of that, um, he is is somehow complicit in the murder of this journalist. Journalists have been oppressed and detained and murdered in foreign countries for as long as there have been journalists. This isn't new. But this is all the... Anything bad that happens in the world is Trump's fault to the left. Anything bad that happens anywhere in the world of any consequence, you can say it's Trump's fault. If there's sexism somewhere, it's Trump's fault. If there's racism somewhere, it's Trump's fault. Whatever it may be, totalitarianism, dictators, despots, Trump's fault. They skip past the fact that, as I said to you yesterday, Obama's inaction and dithering and cowardice as commander-in-chief contributed to a half a million people just chewed up in the meat grinder that was the Syrian civil war. Horrific violence. And, you know, Obama was is nowhere to be seen in terms of leadership. Nothing. If anything, made the situation worse. Made sure that there were arms that got into the hands of the jihadists. I mean, that's what happened. So we're, we're going to hear from the people that are okay with that about how Trump is enabling dictators. But it's just so typical, isn't it? It's just so... Standard operating procedure from the left. And I got I got to ask Dr. Gorka today. Sebastian Gorka was on was on rising with me. I got to ask him and say, you know, hold on a second. Um, What do you say, Dr. G? I like to call him Dr. G. He's a good guy. What do you say, Dr. G, to people that are always talking about how Trump is so cozy with dictators? He just says, look at the actions. Look at what he does. I mean, you know, Trump has his way of trying to ingratiate himself. He's trying to do his own high level diplomacy with these foreign heads of state. And this whole standard that they set up is nonsense. The standard that, you know, Trump has to talk, uh, you know, super aggressively to, to everybody and he needs to hold Putin accountable. This is nonsense. This is complete and utter nonsense. But this is what they pretend is the new standard under Trump, that he that he should go into meetings with Putin and Kim Jong-un and these others and essentially spit in their faces. And anything short of that shows that he's a coward. Anything short of that shows that he's a bad guy. Uh, you know, they're, they're not operating in good faith. And I think that's really essential. We can't lose sight of that. They, they're not criticizing this president because they really want him to do something differently. It's all just an excuse for Trump rage. I hate Trump. That's what this is. Whether it's foreign policy, the economy, immigration, every criticism of Trump from the left now is infused with this anti-Trump rage. Uh, you know, they are really they call themselves anti-fa. They should be anti-tra. Anti-Trump. See what I did there? See what I Womp womp. But I I am so sick of all the grandstanding on this on this Khashoggi issue. And I, I also think that people are really overselling and overestimating how much of this is our fault and our problem. Right? How much of this is something that we really need to take the lead in dealing with? What do they think we're gonna do? I'm not about to say, yeah, let's send in the 82nd Airborne, you know, or 101st Airborne, whoever. All right, let's send them in and, you know, until the Saudis turn over the crown prince, you know, we're just going to sit on their, you know, sit on their soil. No, this is insane. We're not going to do anything like that, right? So what are we going to do? It's a foreign head of state. We're not going to prosecute him. Okay, maybe we'll cut off some arm sales. I don't think that's going to stop them, but I hope that they don't send Mnuchin. We'll see. We got more coming up.
you're interacting online all the time. You're paying bills. You're sending important and personal messages. You're transacting with other businesses. So much of your life is online. You can't avoid it, right? But are you secure? Do you know that your data is being protected? From my earliest days at the CIA and in the intelligence community, it was absolutely drummed into my head. You have to make sure that your information is secure. That's why I use ExpressVPN. A VPN is a virtual private network. Now, that means that it can create a safe and encrypted connection over a less secure network. ExpressVPN does this for you. It's protection that takes less than $7 a month to pay for and only one click to get done. ExpressVPN is the best you will find in this area to protect your actions online. Go to expressvpn.com slash buck today. Find out how you can get three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash buck for three months free with a one-year package. All of the so-called experts on television who are wrong in 2016 are back this year as confident as they were when they were totally wrong in 2016. If the Republicans double down and focus on Kevin McCarthy's bill to, to bring up in December that would allow us to control the border, and compare that with the Pelosi-Feinstein position of totally open borders at a time when you have a caravan of thousands of people coming out of Central America. And then the American citizens can decide. You want sanctuary cities, you want MS-13, you want fentanyl and, and opioids, you want literally an unending flood of, of immigrants uh, from all over the planet, vote Democrat. Uh, and on the other hand, if you think America has the right to control its border, vote Republican. Newt gets it, folks. Newt is totally correct here. Republicans should make immigration a central issue going into the midterms, and they should be explicit. They should be honest about what the Democrat position is, which is if you arrive in, dare I say, a mob at our southern border or a mass of people, uh, if you arrive at our southern border and you say, I want in, and you have the script, which they have now. They're all saying the same stuff. I, flee, I fear violence in my home country. I, I, I seek asylum now. Uh, you can stay. And none of them get sent home. They are told that they have a court date, but the court date doesn't happen for five years. There's a huge backlog. And what? You know what happens in, in one year? We're told, oh, they're, they're in, integral to American society. You know, you can't get... These are the people doing jobs Americans won't do. Well, what? They were just supposed to be here on a temporary basis until they're here. And how dare you, sir? So racist. So racist. Uh, so, you know, I just... I think we need to put it in very clear and stark terms. And I don't think that there's been... Enough. Look, Trump is great. Trump is the messaging howitzer out there on the campaign trail. I mean, he's just, he's just dropping dropping knowledge bombs left and right all over the place, doing a great job. There are some Republicans that I think get it, but they're, the message isn't penetrating. It's not getting through. And, you know, I, I got to say, I, I think it's really important that everyone understand that the Democrats are going behind the scenes here. Well, I shouldn't say behind the scenes. Well, that too, but they are very, very subtly pushing a message in these individual races, and they're they're hoping that it doesn't really get countered at the national level. They're pushing this sort of Republicans just want to take away your health care. They want to take away your health care. That's all it is. They want to take away your Medicaid. They want to take away your health care. And instead of Republicans saying they've destroyed many health care markets, 
They've made healthcare way more expensive for people who are caught in the individual market in state after state after state. They're taking money out of your pocket for worse care. And you have, well, until now, you had no choice in it, right? Until they got, until they decided to suspend the individual mandate. And that's the fight that Republicans need to be willing to have. They need to say that they're lying to you, that Democrats are lying to you about health care. And also, they definitely won't tell you what they really believe. They won't tell you the truth on immigration. And I think that's very, very important. Um, and and Newt, is, Newt is spot on here. He understands what's going on. And the border is central. Because the border does more than just tell us all about you know, whether the Democrats believe in uh, you know, believe in immigration and whether open borders, although that's all very important. It also is about whether the Democrat Party has to deal with what it has been promoting and pushing for decades now. As I said, it's 20 million illegals in the country. And I didn't get that number from some right-wing blog. That is from a thorough mathematical analysis that is way more convincing than anything that has come from the Pew survey they hand out, which is where you get this 11 million number. I mean, there's there's mobs of or or whatever masses of thousands of people heading to the border on, at any given time, and we're told that yeah, but you know the the number never really goes up. It's just 11 million. You know, there are, there are thousands and thousands of people being caught in any given time trying to cross the border, but the number is 11 million. Who believes this? Who believes? I mean, a lot of people do. Well, we're told to believe it, and we don't want to think that the government will just lie to us about these things. More from Newt here. Newt was, Newt was on fire with this. Play four. I mean, this is a core choice. Is America a country that has the right to protect itself and to define who comes in? Or is America now going to be just an open system where everybody on the planet can come here? That's how big the choice is going to be by, by Election Day. And I think the Democrats will lose that debate by a huge margin. I would not concede losing the House for one minute. Uh, I think that we have, uh, I think we have the issues on our side, jobs versus mobs, results versus the resistance, uh, conservative judges versus radicals, and controlling the border versus open borders. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a very surprising election night. I think Newt is right. I've been telling people that I think that the Republicans are going to hold the House, which is, uh, I think the odds of that right now, if I were... Look it up. I could probably look up. Some of you can do it right now while I'm on air. Look it up the Vegas odds. Uh, I think that it is, you know, probably you probably get at least two to one right now, maybe three to one that the Democrats will take the House. Senate's look, I shouldn't say things like good to go because a lot of you would yell at me. And I know I don't want to dampen any enthusiasm. I want us to make the right choices and go to the polls and vote Republican. No question. Right. And, and everyone needs it, especially if you're in a state. I mean, I'm in D.C. It doesn't really count. But especially for those of you who live in states that matter. Please, please go to the polls. It's it's going to be a small margin, uh, a small margin of victory for either side, I believe, in the House. And we will have to see uh, what that actually looks like. Uh, we'll have to see, you know, how, how, how close it gets. Um, and by the way, you know, there is a a story out of Texas uh, that there are, in fact, there, there, there has been a uh, an effort to engage in rigging votes. And I think and people are now facing felony charges. Uh, you know, there's this Texas vote rigging scheme. It's getting just a little bit of coverage. And, you know, here it is. Two women, Texas women arrested on vote fraud charges in Fort Worth. 
They targeted seniors on the city's north side. This is from the Star-Telegram. So the, here's what they were doing. The, the scam, allegedly, was that they were targeting older voters and they would, uh, they, would use, they would get their mail ballots and then try to have them sign them. Uh, they were trying to do this fraud and mail-in ballots, all right? Um, the complaints on, this is what the, the article says here, the complaints focused on mail-in ballots which allowed people to vote from their homes without any ID or verification of identity. A key concern has been how often people may assist others or physically help by witnessing uh, with filling out the applications for mail-in ballots or the ballots themselves. Supporters have long said mail-in balloting is crucial for overseas residents, the military, and senior citizens. Critics maintain that such voting is ripe for abuse and raises concerns about vote harvesting in which people could fill out and return other people's ballots. So here you have these Texas women who are accused of stealing other people's ballots. For the Democratic Party, by the way. Oh, what a shock. Uh, Forged signatures, ballots, cheating, all this stuff. And it's for Democrats. So now we get people going to prison for voter fraud. We're always told there is no voter fraud. And then I, I talk about a case like this and they say, oh, well, okay, there's some voter fraud. Well, then why do they say there's no voter fraud? You know what the thing is? They don't know how much voter fraud there is and they don't want to know. 30 counts of voter fraud, according to a statement from the Texas Attorney General's office. Okay, these are people who are trying to cheat in an election. Now, you could say, why would they do that? Some people are just true believers. Some people are probably getting paid off to do it. But at the end of the day, they also believe all along that there's almost no chance that they're going to get caught. How do you get caught? The Democrats fight any form of verification, any form of election integrity and security at every turn. They say, oh, it's racist. It's racist. Always that uh, always this notion the Democrats push that any hurdle in, in the in when I say hurdle, any integrity measure. Right. Like, Can you show an ID when you vote? You gotta show an ID when you cash a check. Right. Can you show an ID when you vote? Anything like that is specifically to target minorities. I mean, it targets everybody. It's generally applicable because of the history of the Voting Rights Act and. Uh, the fact that the Democrats still like to pose as the great heroes of the minority underclass in this country. That is their position. That is their that is what they do um, with all of that. You know, they, they don't want any election integrity measures and they want to keep pretending there's no voter fraud, even when people go to prison for voter fraud. I think we're going to do really well. And I I don't, look, I don't want to make predictions, but we have great poll numbers. We have tremendous turnout at these rallies, thousands and thousands of people, more than we can hold. There's enthusiasm like we had at, you know, in the last election, 2016, which was quite a spectacular day and evening. I think we have a lot of enthusiasm. You know, I keep hearing about the enthusiasm, the blue wave, yeah. but I think we have tremendous enthusiasm. I do think we have a lot of enthusiasm. You know, I spoke to Donald Trump Jr. yesterday, and sure enough, he uh, he is, I could tell, very optimistic about how it's looking for the Republicans going into the midterms. You know, I think that he's um, really feeling it when he's going out there and meeting with all these different people on the campaign trail. But, you know, th this is going to be very close. It's going to be very, very tight indeed. And there was one thing that Trump brought up in that same interview uh, i think it was that same interview that that has really got me uh concerned and it has to do with what happens if the economy takes a nosedive and if, if, if it's cyclical i don't think that's going to necessarily be on trump play uh clip six 
inflation or anything in this country. Everyone will say, oh, there's going to be, there's no, I mean, the inflation's very low. Uh, Jay Powell might think no, there's no, a No, no, my biggest inflation. threat is the Fed, because the Fed is raising rates too fast, and it's independent, so I don't speak to him, uh-huh. but I'm not happy with what he's doing, because it's going too fast, because you looked at the last inflation numbers, they're very low. This is going to result in some painful stuff going forward. Uh, this is going to be an issue. And I would say this. There were people that were writing books right after the crash in 2009 saying things like, you know, this time is uh, this time is different or how this is a unique and uniquely dangerous moment in our economic history. And, and there was a there was a real clarity around we're in uncharted territory here starting in 2009 or so. And I think we've been a little complacent for a while now, even though the debt's $21 trillion. We've reached this point where there's all this prosperity. Trump is cutting regulations, cut taxes. So much good stuff is happening around the country. And sure enough, um, what I think we're starting to see now is an understanding that there is going to be some rough water. That's a very gentle way, I think, of saying it as a result of unraveling all this, all this money we put out in the system, all this QE and these things that have been done last 10 years to keep the economy going, to try and, and do you know Keynesian stimulus. And you know, you have people like Krugman who are saying, oh, the stimulus isn't enough, right? That was the problem then. But we spent all this money and you have an enormous, a, a series of enormous debt bubbles, uh, student loan debt, trillion dollars, credit card debt, trillion dollars, auto loans, especially subprime auto loans, very, very high. Uh, we are more indebted now than we were at the time of the crisis in many ways. And, you know, deeper, we're deeper in debt. And we are deeper in debt when it comes to national debt. And we haven't really fixed any of this stuff structurally. Now, it would be impossible for Trump to fix it right away. But he, here's my concern. And I, I'm not, I cannot do economic prognostication I, I really can't right that's not something that is in my bailiwick political stuff maybe national security stuff sure but here's where i see there being an issue right now antifa and that's your cue john and uh all these other groups out there these far left wackos are considered very fringe but you'll notice that the the media apparatus in general is very slow to condemn them and generally uh, does not seek to, um, you know, talk about them any more than they have to. And I think it's because they do have a certain ideological solidarity with them, right? They, maybe they don't agree with all of what Antifa does and all of its rhetoric, but they like that they view themselves as resistance to Trump, right? They like that they view themselves as uh, opposi- oppositional and willing to take action about all of this. And with that, uh, I, I think we have to remember that they could very quickly become a much bigger part of the political conversation if and this is the this is what worries me. If we have a major economic uh, reset, right, if the debt turns into a crisis, if all of a sudden we, we get to the point where the rising interest rates means that we're paying more and more money just because of the money we've already spent. Right. That interest payments on the debt start to crowd out the private sector and the, and the rest of our economy. And that turns into a vicious cycle and things start to look bleak. That is when radical ideology is li- most likely to spread. And that is when normal people, everyday folks who are fearful, could be swayed at that moment. And you see this all throughout history. 
they could be swayed to go support a more radical path without even really understanding how far they are straying from what they have supported in the past. So I can see a situation where, you know, the Democrats continue their craziness. They continue to be insane and it just stretches out for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden, when you have a massive drop in the market or you have, you know, unemployment start ticking up very rapidly, whatever. And I don't know what it will be. I don't know when it will be. But that's when Antifa, Bernie Sanders, far left protesters and all the rest of it comes together and they offer a better way. They say the only solution to this problem is to put more in the more in the hands of the government. The only way to solve this problem is to have a bigger government, more government authority, more government solutions. And people will go for it then. Remember what I've told you, and they don't teach people this in history class. The reason that communism spread so rapidly around the world, including in very developed and sophisticated West European countries and in America, is because capitalism, after the crash and after the, uh, the terrors of the First World War, uh, capitalism was considered to have failed. Right? Capitalism was considered a failure and people wanted hope for a better future. And anyone who could talk about everyone being equal, everyone having enough, everyone, um, you know, being taken care of by the state, you can understand why people say, you know what, maybe that is a better way to go. You know, because one, they didn't have the track record of billions of people enslaved and murdered and and uh, have their lives ruined over the course of the 20th century by statism and communism. They didn't have that historical backdrop yet. And they also did have the end result of what they th the, what they thought was the end result of a system that would always collapse which was which was capitalism uh, so I, i'm not trying to get too far ahead of this but just remember that the people who are the crazy oh they're such clown radicals today can when conditions change dramatically in this country i'm talking about they can become the vanguard of a political movement that is truly revolutionary and truly dangerous and scary. So that's why confronting these ideas now and challenging these false notions and challenging these attitudes about getting up in people's faces and chasing them out of restaurants is so important for all of us. I'm so glad she ended up taking one. And yes. it did prove that she wasn't the Cherokee for so long. I think she's guilty of um, claiming she's been American Indian, but had no proof, and then using it to um, for applications, for college, for political reasons. I feel betrayed because um, she wasn't. She was using the name, uh, trying to be American Indian, you know, just to um, to rise above. And, and it wasn't meant to be, and take the benefits away from the American Indians yes. that belong to them. At this point, she needs to come back and, and just and apologize to everybody for what she's done. I don't think Warren's going to apologize to anybody. I think she figures she just will keep on with the whole ruse, right? Just act like everything is, act like everything's fine. I think Warren's approach to running for the presidency in 2020 now is is reminiscent of the old Larry David story. Remember, the, there's a little aside here. The creator of Seinfeld, 
he tells this story. I, I think it's really funny where he said uh, he was so upset when he was a writer on Saturday Night Live that he just he quit. But in quitting, he screamed in the face of a uh, of his boss. I guess it was Lorne Michaels, but it might have been somebody else. He screamed in his face, you know, I'm quitting. I'm out of here, the whole thing. And then when he went home and it was over the weekend, he realized, oh, my gosh, what have I done? I don't have a job. Uh, that was a great job. I made a terrible mistake. And then he didn't know what to do and thought and thought and thought. And then he figured, out, he figured, you know what? I think he talked to a friend who told him to do this, if I remember the story right, which I might be missing some of the details. And he just showed up to work on Monday and pretended like nothing had happened. And it worked. Everyone just acted like it was fine. And he just, you know, they maybe they forgot the meltdown or just chose to ignore the whole thing. But they they wanted him there and he showed up and everyone just went about their business. No, He said there was not even a conversation about it. Uh, so I think that's what Elizabeth Warren thinks she's going to do when it comes to running for the presidency. I think her approach is, hey, America, let's just pretend that that whole thing didn't happen. Let's just skip past the whole DNA thing and. I'm still your progressive heroine, right? Let, let's pretend that that's the case. So um, that's not going to fly. And we heard there from Debbie White Dove uh, Porico, who is a descendant of the real Pocahontas. Pocahontas was a real person, as you know. John Smith, Pocahontas. Although I got to say, John, I think that the Pocahontas animated Disney film is one of the weaker ones. Not, not good. Can you sing with all the colors of the mountain? I don't even know what that means, right? And that was not particularly in tune. You get the idea. You know what I'm talking about. Some of the, some of the young ones listening are like, yeah, I like the Pocahontas movie. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, the best, this is actually, you know, I th- you know people are going to get mad at me for this one. I think you got to figure the best animated Disney movie. It's tight for me between... Aladdin and the Lion King. I mean, they're they're neck and neck. I think those are those are two of the best. I'm also very partial to Beauty and the Beast, although I know it's a little more for tends to be a little more for the ladies, but it's very well done. It was the first animated film ever nominated for Oscar. Okay, back to Poca- back to a descendant of the real Pocahontas. So there you have it. Uh, what what you saw here was that the left has this whole framework of something they call cultural appropriation, right? The left has this framework where they will say, um, you are not allowed to make the cuisine of another, of another culture. Yeah, you're not allowed to wear the, uh, the garb of another culture. And cultural appropriation, let me just say, is a stupid concept because all culture borrows and steals and is influenced by other cultures all the time. In fact, if you were to look back at what we consider to be Western fashion, a lot of the most well-known Western fashions today come from other parts of the world, uh, are from fabrics that were only possible because of colonialism. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Some of you are like, oh, you mean like Muslin, the city of Mosul, for example, uh, you know, gingham pattern from Malaysia. Gingham, you think of as a very waspy northern uh, northeastern american kind of a thing but no uh, comes from malaysia uh seersucker comes from india you've heard me talk about that before so uh, cu- culture is always changing and shifting and we should celebrate anything that's good in any culture right i mean this notion that people have a a particular claim on a culture strikes me as odd to begin with 
But if you're going to be policing appropriation, then for somebody who is as white as Elizabeth Warren to claim that she was a Native American specifically for the benefits thereof, but also really to, to, to have some kind of an identity to make her a more interesting person, which I think was all a part of this. I mean, she wrote in, she was a fake Cherokee who wrote into a cookbook called Pow Wow Chow and stole a recipe from a real French chef and called it a Cherokee recipe. So it's a fake Cherokee stealing from a French chef to make a fake Cherokee recipe. Wow. That is, this is the person who wants to be the next president of the United States, by the way. You know, there are a lot of personal failings. There are a lot of things that I think, I, you know, you could point to in any number of people and say, you know, that I, I could have made that mistake. You know, there's 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 certain things that you can feel a little bit of a personal understanding of and say, you know what, that person maybe crossed the line with that or that went bad. But I can understand how it got there. I can understand what the circumstances were that led to it uh, being that way. Um Pretending you're a Native American for many, many years is not one of them. Uh, and, and I played that story for you yesterday where she talked about her mom and how her mom was dealing with the sting of racism because of her Cherokee family. Really? Their parents were, or, you know, the, the, the parents involved here were worried about the grandparents, I guess, for Elizabeth Warren, about a maybe eighth, ninth, tenth generation back Native American ancestor. That's, uh, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty wild. But cultural appropriation was always destined to collapse under its own stupidity. And the moment that it is politically advantageous, the left will trot it out once again. And they'll say, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't wear that kind of costume. Oh, by the way, I saw this stupid Hulu. All these platforms are just overrun by libs. Can't we just get some normal people involved? Ugh. Hulu had something about, you know, this Halloween, you don't wear a costume that's offensive to any culture or, culture or ancestry or whatever. Okay, so now that means, you know, no, no costumes or somebody dresses in Native American garb. You can't dress up as Pocahontas. You can't dress up as any of the foreign Disney princesses. Uh, and, and I just wonder, you know, what, but if you're, if you're non-white, then under liberal rules, do you have the right to dress up as anything that's not as any person or you know any entity that's non-white for uh, Halloween, then. So is it really just white people that aren't allowed to dress up in in cultural garb? That's not you know. I guess I could wear a Viking. I mean, I could wear a Viking thing, but I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. And here's what I'd offer you: I don't think the left knows what the rules are either. I mean, I think that they, in general, just make it up as they go along. Uh, and this is just a power trip. It's all a power trip. Remember, political correctness started out as a means of trying to rebalance power toward what they thought were uh, underrepresented and discriminated minorities. But with time, political correctness has just turned into a weapon for those who want to use those groups. And I'm talking about white liberals now for their own purposes, right, to use those groups for their own power. So cultural appropriation is a stupid term. But bottom line here is that if what Elizabeth Warren did is not cultural appropriation, there is no such thing. It does not exist, even for lips. We have to do something other than building a wall with immoral, expensive, ineffective, and not something that people do between countries. 
Um, but in any event, uh, it happens to be like a manhood issue for the president. And, uh, and uh, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> Why is that funny? That was Nancy Pelosi, formerly Speaker of the House, formerly third in line for the presidency. What was amusing about that? What is it that got everybody to giggle? Oh, it's about his manhood. You know, there are some lines. Okay, there are some lines that people who, on the one hand, Democrats will tell us, oh, you know, it's Trump. And he called her he called someone horse face and he's so terrible. And he says Pocahontas. But yet when you see what the Democrats will do, they're disgusting. They'll get into the gutter and they'll fight against Trump with whatever, whatever they can, as nasty, as demeaning, as destructive as they can be. They'll get in there. They'll do it. Right? They have no qualms about it whatsoever. And so you're forced to sit around and ask yourself, well, hold on a second. Nancy Pelosi, I thought she, she's an establishment grand dame, right? She's a, a, a lady of the Democrat Party that is probably more powerful than anyone else. And she's making jokes about his manhood and the wall. We all know what, what she's saying, right? I mean, I'm not trying to say, oh, it's a dog whistle. No, no, she's pretty much saying it. She's just using different words. We've heard these jokes before. I've, I've heard politicians in the Democrat Party make comments about the size of Trump's hands and then make comments about how he's compensating. And, you know, they'll go there. This is disgusting. What is wrong with these people? And you have you know, porn star Stormy Daniels who was given the red carpet treatment at CNN and MSNBC for, for months, it felt like, at least weeks. And she writes a book, and she goes in, and, and she describes, and I won't even get into it, I mean, the, but the description, the stuff that she says in that book, and it was reported on with glee by major news outlets. These people have no decency, have no integrity, yet they try to use our integrity against us. And this is what brings us to this difficult political moment where what do good people do in American politics and American life who are sick of losing because they refuse to sink to the other side's tactics? What do they do? Right. If, if you don't want to do what the other if you're if you're not willing to go and fight, if not dirty, at least no holds barred. How do you defeat the other side? And the answer is, I don't know that you can. I think we all have to be prepared for a fight. And I think that the left is realizing that they cannot persuade the American people to their side in the argument. And they can't even successfully propagandize using the media as their massive echo chamber and as a as a reinforcement mechanism for the democrat party as i said to a cnn executive which i'll talk to you about later this hour on twitter today an appendage of the dnc which is what cnn is but if they can't sway the american people with all of that maybe the plan really is just to try and smear us into submission to try and be as aggressive as possible with us personally and as threatening as possible in groups. Yes, I'll say it, mobs. Maybe that's the, really the plan. That's what they think. That's where the id of the Democrat Party is right now. I, and I, I believe that is true. You know, but Nancy Pelosi, who is just such a, such a charlatan. Now, what does Nancy Pelosi stand for? She's this you know, incredibly rich, courtesy of her husband, uh, disconnected from normal people, self-involved political power broker. 
That's what she really is. She's not helping people. She doesn't care about people. She cares about Nancy Pelosi. When you think about her, what, what can you point to? Oh, oh her, her great achievement was ramming through Obamacare. That's, that's fantastic. Talk to somebody who has to deal with Obamacare now or who lost their health care plan and tell them how great Nancy Pelosi is. I think you'll, you'll hear some four-letter words. This is now where, it, where it's all gone. This is, this is the reality of trying to deal with them. Um, and by the way, Pelosi is essentially endorsing this anything goes at any cost attitude. Play 13. If they want to take out these big ads and then put uh, candidates on the spot, I just say to the candidates, do what you have to do, just win big. But you can't, but I refuse to allow the Republicans in doing that to choose who our leaders are. You see, she's saying, and this is part of the disconnect you have from the left. She's saying on the one hand, do what you have to do to win big. Right? Do whatever you got to do. I mean, that, that's really what Pelosi's view is on this. Do whatever you got to do. Uh, just don't let the Republicans win. And at the same time, she's saying, but I refuse to let the Republicans, you know, she, she goes from anything goes, just win power to, oh, I'm so outraged at how, how rough the Republicans play this game. This reminds me of what we saw after Kavanaugh. After the Kavanaugh travesty that was televised for the whole nation to see, after all of that, the Democrats didn't take a step back and say, you know, maybe we shouldn't have been psychopathic about this. Maybe we shouldn't have tried to, in ritualistic fashion, torture a man on TV in front of his wife and children and tens of millions of Americans were watching because we just really want a Supreme Court justice there that agrees with us ideologically. That's all it was. It wasn't about women. It wasn't about sexual assault. That was all part of the smear campaign. That was the plan all along. It was about power. It was about a Supreme Court seat. But their takeaway from that wasn't, okay, hold on a second. Maybe we shouldn't have gone quite so dirty. Maybe we shouldn't have taken it to such extreme lengths and engaged in such reprehensible behavior. No, they came away saying the Republicans were playing so mean. The Republicans were so mean. The editor-in-chief of Politico wrote an editorial. He says, you know, I guess the gloves have to come off now. If that's the gloves on, meaning Kavanaugh and what they did to him, gloves off? I'm sorry. I mean, gloves off after what they did to Kavanaugh could only mean violence and, and widespread civil disobedience and, and rioting in the streets. I mean, there's just, there's nothing else. You know, the, if you're going to take it to the level of, because remember, they didn't just want to destroy Kavanaugh's character. They were talking about trying to act, trying to dredge up criminal charges against him. Oh, there's no statute of limitations in Maryland. Oh, there should be a criminal investigation. Oh, she should maybe go to the police. They wanted him in prison. They wanted to use the state to lock up Kavanaugh, not just stop him from the Supreme Court. They would do anything as long as it was going to destroy him. And they thought that wasn't enough. They thought that was playing by gentlemanly rules. How do you have a conversation with people like that? How do you have a discussion with people who take that approach? I, the answer is, I, I don't know. I think all you can do is stay true to yourself, stay strong, and win. I'm now seeing the wisdom of Donald Trump telling us all that we're going to win so much we're going to get tired of winning. We need to. The alternative is putting people in positions of power who cannot be trusted with it, who do not act with decency, who do not act in good faith, who do not care about the law, 
And what's perhaps most disturbing of all is they don't even recognize those things anymore. They're so ruthless, they don't even understand that they are ruthless. It's a terrifying thought. There's a lot of social media activity out there, but you know that all the stories have piled up over time and there is bias at work. What if we could have a platform where you know that you're not going to have to deal with censorship and you don't have to worry about conversational health or social justice or political correctness or any of that other stuff getting in the way? Well, we've got one now, folks. Snippy.com. Snippy.com is an up-and-coming social media site that's just gotten started, and it's a place where conservatives can really find a home for their thoughts, a place where they can share ideas without having to worry about any of the administrators or any of the other ways that the left tries to skew the debate. I use snippy.com. In fact, we're starting to use snippy in our roll call segments. Go to snippy.com. Totally free to register. This will cost you nothing. snippy.com. Start posting, interacting with friends. You'll see for yourself. Snippy.com is the place where Team Buck needs to get the conversation started. Well, there has been a split within feminism since second wave feminism was born in the late 1960s. The media has have been extremely lazy in not pursuing this. <laughs> I belong to the pro-sex, pro-pop culture wing of feminism. I, I favor the legalization of prostitution. I have defended pornography. I admire strip clubs, etc., etc. So there has been this argument for a very long time. I am astonished after the victory of the pro-sex wing that we're back to feminist puritanism again of the Andrea Dworkin kind. We're talking about mental imbalance. We're talking about hysteria that has nothing whatever to do with women's rights. These are neurotics okay, who, are, who, who, who are talking about hatred of men, who are poisoning the culture, making it more difficult yeah. for young women to reconcile with young men. Poisoning the culture, making it more difficult for young women to reconcile with young men. I mean, that's, that's Camille Paglia. Folks, she's a lib, okay? She's, but she's an interesting lib. She's a smart lib. And so I like to hear what the other side has to say in general, but especially from people on the other side who are actually intelligent and, and have real ideas that they're willing to defend. And one thing that she'll do that you'll notice very few other libs will these days is call out the insanity of their side. You know, one thing that you will not hear from libs lately is, oh, yeah, we have lost our minds the way that they are talking about relations between men and women now, about rape culture on campus, and about rape apologists after the Kavanaugh or during the Kavanaugh trial. This is insane. This isn't normal. This isn't rational. And they will even push things now publicly, like retroactive removal of consent. You know that that if that if a woman consents to a sexual act, but then later on really changes her mind and feels like she didn't fully understand the circumstances, that that is some form of they will say you know sexual assault. And there are institutions that will take action against men based on the retroactive revocation of consent. This is, this is insane. This is absolutely crazy. Uh, but, you know, you have these stories now that are coming out because people realize that this mantra that the feminist left was pushing for a while, that all, you know, anyone who says they were attacked is a victim and must be treated like a victim always and at all times. You know, they're a victim when they're in court. They're a victim when they're making the accusation. They're a victim when they're going on TV and making, in some cases, slanderous allegations about someone. Victim, victim, victim. You can't say anything about them, can't say anything to them. And women have a right to be believed, right? They have a right to be believed. They must be believed when they make an allegation. Well, what about the fact that there are, are false allegations? 
and that due process is based upon the rights of the individual in every circumstance. Doesn't that matter a little bit? No, no, it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter at all because they saw a means to power. The left saw a means of attacking its ideological enemies, and so they go with it. They don't really care what it will do to the culture, what it does to society overall. I'm trying to avoid saying writ large because that's something people in D.C. say all the time. Here's a story, though, on Reason that really got my attention. And, you know, Reason, it's a libertarian stuff, but they do some interesting work. I like my, I like my libertarian buds. You know, I kind of wish they wouldn't run candidates that sometimes cause us a congressional seat here or there or, or worse. But you know, libertarians are an interesting bunch. They tend to be very uh, educated on the issues they care about. And I agree with them on weed legalization, which, by the way, up in Canada, they have now legalized weed across the board for recreational use. I, I think America's three three years away from that that would be my guess i think we're going to have legalization because at this point what you're going to lock people up in idaho for what's legal in colorado come on crazy it's crazy uh but so here's this story though in reason uh high school girls admitted to making false sexual assault allegations against a male student because quote they just don't like him let me tell you some of the details here seneca valley district school in pittsburgh pennsylvania is facing a lawsuit from a former male student who was forced out of school and investigated for sexual assault due to a series of false accusations made by female students. The girls, dubbed Mean Girls in the lawsuit, a reference to the 2004 Lindsay Lohan film, admitted on tape that they made up the assault story. One said, I just don't like him and I would do anything to get him expelled. The false allegations were life derailing for the accused, who was referred to as TF in the lawsuit. On October 3rd, 2017, one of the girls told other students that TF had sexually assaulted her at a pool. Seneca Valley guidance counselor overheard the accusation and reported it to the state's child abuse prevention agency as required by law. TF was charged with indecent assault and harassment, received six months probation as part of a plea deal. Months later, in March of 2018, TF was again falsely accused. Another girl invited him over to a house party. A few days later, she told the school guidance counselor that TF had broken into her home and sexually assaulted her. The lawsuit claims she was coached by TF's first accuser, a friend of hers, I'm sure. As a result of this accusation, TF was charged with assault and criminal trespassing. He was removed from school in leg and wrist shackles and spent nine days in juvenile detention, basically juvie jail. By the end of the summer, the conspiracy against TF was unmasked. Other students came forward with Snapchat messages that contradicted the claims of these girls who eventually all admitted to lying. All charges against TF were dropped. The girls, however, have suffered no consequences. All right. End of end of quotes there from this piece. All right, folks, this is a this is at a at a school. Uh, I think it's I think it's a high school, but um here you have a bunch of girls who are lying about a young man and ruining his life, ruining his life, provided no proof or evidence. All it was was allegations. I guess they had a right to be believed. They had a right. People say, why would anyone make this up? That's what they were saying about Kavanaugh. Because people do. Because they're nasty. Because they're vindictive. It is possible for men to be nasty and vindictive. It is also possible for women to be nasty and vindictive. We are human beings. We are, we are flawed. We have moral failings. This notion that there is one gender that is above and beyond reproach is insanity. 
But that is what the radical feminists on the left seem to suggest. They also seem to believe that sexual agency and sexual decision making is this very murky area where, you know, if two people are drunk and they consent to intercourse, but then later the woman decides that she did not think that that was a good idea or, you know, it's always the guy's fault. Meanwhile, if it's about alcohol and that's what dealt with the consent, wouldn't the female be equally liable? Oh, now we're going to get into who was more drunk. And, you know, where are lines drawn here? At what point is consent consent? The left, I would note, for a while was pushing for the idea of having digital contracts before you could have sexual intercourse. So essentially a woman would have to initial your smartphone. This is real. They talk about this. This is really a psychological problem that much of the country is having. And this this left wing radical feminism is so corrosive and so destructive and so nasty. And yes, anti-male, it's against men. It's not just about women. It's not about women's empowerment. It's not about equality under the law. It's about finding ways to unleash the anger that this subset of women have against men. It's, And then you have a case like this where they've admitted there's evidence. They lied. They, they try to ruin a young man's life. By the way, he'll have those psychological scars for decades to come, being falsely accused of sexual assault twice when you did nothing because girls didn't like you and thought it would be amusing. But there's no, there's no charges against them. Oh, because why? Oh, that's right, because they're victims. But wait, they lied. So they're not victims. How dare you? Women have a right to be believed. But these women admit that they should not have been believed. So what are we to make of that? A rational response to this would be to say, oh, maybe what the left promotes here is toxic. Maybe it's destructive. Maybe nobody should buy into this notion of the left just being believed. But we haven't yet gotten there as a society. We still have these elements that push this notion that there are different standards of evidence and different justice expected for men and for women. And that shouldn't be the case. And the people who are pushing this nonsense are really doing a disservice to this entire country. Uh, and th- their, their ideas are indefensibly unfair and stupid, but they become shrill and nasty and hysterical over it. And the left sees it as a political win. So they allow innocent people even to get destroyed. Oh, boy, mainstream media is getting a little upset at Mr. Buck, giving giving Mr. Buck a little bit of a hard time. Uh Uh-oh, what did I do? Uh Uh-oh, happy learned how to putt. So the headline on Mediaite today, CNN executive trades barbs with ex-CNN commentator. I don't think of myself as an ex-CNN commentator. Technically, that's true, but I was just there for a little bit. I I don't know. But you're shoveling Stuff, although they didn't say stuff, to score cheap points. Obviously, this uh, the person writing this at Mediaite's a lib, so they wanted to go with the big line from the CNN. So a senior CNN executive is throwing down with Buck Sexton. This is according to Mediaite. A former political commentator for the network after the conservative pundit criticized the network's coverage of Elizabeth Warren's ancestry. The tete-a-tete began after the right-wing host of The Hill TV posted a critique of CNN's reporting on Warren's attempt to prove her Native American heritage. Warren's claim has been a source of criticism for years. This week, she opened herself to scrutiny. Uh, Again, since her DNA test results say her Native American ancestry might amount to only one in 1,024. So here's what I wrote, folks. 
Um, it's a good thing CNN wasn't blatantly complicit in the massive, unforced error Warren pulled yesterday. That would have been really embarrassing. Oh, wait a minute. And I had below that Elizabeth Warren. This is the CNN politics headline. Elizabeth Warren releases DNA tests with strong evidence of Native and Native American ancestry. Now, strong evidence is in quotes, but that's that's hysterical, right? I mean, this would be like this would be like running with a headline that says, you know, for somebody that was caught on video, you know, that 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 is and has already confessed the murder, be like a uh, man accused of murder not guilty in quotes and then be like well it's that that's what his lawyer said okay but is that you're making an analytic judgment by pulling that out i mean the strong evidence it's not strong it's garbage it's not strong evidence no one thinks it's strong evidence they would never do this if it were republican anyway so this drew the attention of cnn vice president of communications Uh uh-oh matt dornick never heard of this clown in my life who defended the network's coverage while accusing Sexton of not actually reading the piece. I read the piece, but thanks. That, that's cute anyway. Matt wrote to me, See how strong evidence is in quotes? That means it's a phrase attributed to someone other than the author. It's almost like you didn't read the article or watch our coverage. Oh, wait. Uh, okay, Matt. Well, I did read the article, and I did see your coverage because CNN is on in the newsroom where I work all day long. So, yes. I saw lots and lots of CNN's coverage, and it was (laughs) appallingly stupid. So there's that. Uh, And then the media writes, and from there the fight began in earnest. Buck Sexton responds to Matt Dordick, Ha ha, sure, dude. CNN coverage of Warren's DNA release was really top-notch journalism, and your headline wasn't clearly constructed to put a positive spin on a disastrous decision by a likely Democrat 2020 candidate, just own your bias. And he writes, give me a break. You didn't watch or read our coverage. You're just shoveling SH on Twitter to score cheap points. Here's six more headlines from CNN and the DNA test. I don't care if you criticize Wisey, but I have no time for trash. Buck Sexton goes back. That's funny. You're leaving out this gem of analysis by a reporter, a quote reporter who wrote in this piece, Donald Trump never cared about Elizabeth Warren's DNA. Wait, but that's a reporter. She's doing analysis, though. Oh, you mean opinion. But no, they call it analysis. But oh, she's a reporter. So what's the difference? There is no difference. They're just playing games. And then I wrote to him, CNN tried to run cover for Warren and then got caught looking dumb. Your coverage then adjusted out of self-preservation. It's fine to be a DNC appendage. Just own it. Yup, 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 yup. That was fun. Just take your spanking, CNN. Just take your spanking and just go home, all right? Don't don't turn around after you got your little spanking and be like, oh, it's so mean, he's so mean. Ah, good times, good times. See, CNN is, in fact, often fake news, and it is definitely partisan news. And if they really want to try to have this fight and they want to... Uh, also notice that the guy goes to the condescending, this is what a quote is. I'm smarter than you, moron. Do you think I don't know what a quote is? Anyway... Good times, good times. Made it up on Media Eye today. Buck slap. We need the sound. Buck slap, buck slap, buck slap. It is perfection. Roll calls up next. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for roll call. Don't. 
dubstep roll call. Dubstep didn't really last as a thing. I feel like dubstep did not manage to continue to be a popular music format for the kids. But then again, what do I know? I don't listen to much music uh, these days. So it is what it is. Let's get to it, my friends. Um, we have, first up, before we get to our usual roll call on Facebook, we're actually going to do some roll call via snippy.com from our fantastic sponsor, the new social media site with none of the nonsense, none of the uh, censorship that the left has instituted on all these platforms, snippy.com, uh, free to join. I post there. You should post there. Okay, here we go. Uh, I got a message from God One Has Our Six. And God One Has Our Six, because I don't have people's real names on here, wrote, All right, Buck, stepping on a limb here. It may break underneath me, but I've hit the ground running before. What we have to lose as the GOP, quietly, I say, is everything. The next time you sit down with our president, maybe you should invite him here to join us. What do you think? Shields high. Well, I, I think the president has a pretty big platform with Twitter already. But uh, I, I do think that... Um, it would be fun to get him on on this platform. I don't know if we could ever get him on, on uh, n- not yet at least. Not yet. Um, and then I, I, I posted, Dear Media, please stop referring to it as Warren's claims of Native American heritage. Replace it with false claims. Words matter. we got a whole bunch of people writing to me here on Snippy. Mike writes, Shields high, Buck. I listen to the podcast every night. I also have Mark Levin, Dan Bongino, and Sean Hannity in my lineup. Any suggestions? Who else is a strong voice? Testudo from Fresno, California. Well, I, I've got to say, Mike, you've got a great lineup there, and I am honored to be in the same company as those individuals in your lineup. Uh, you know, I really enjoy the Joe Rogan podcast when I get a chance to listen. Uh, I, he talks about topics that I'm not even necessarily interested in just based on the topic beforehand, and then... Uh, sure enough, when when I actually listen, all of a sudden I find myself just drawn in, and, and I think that's what a really good host is able to do. A really good radio or, po- or podcast host can even make a topic that you're not sure you're interested in or maybe not interested in at all, make that one good uh, and make it interesting. Um, Bob writes, they can't speak the truth about Democrats. They would short circuit. Again, Bob writing to me here on snippy.com. Uh, and yes, they indeed, the, the media can't speak the truth about Democrats. And then Vindicatus, who writes, okay, Buck, I'm on Snippy. Let's kick some butt here. Well, Vindicatus, let's kick some butt indeed. Now on to some messages courtesy of Facebook. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to send me some of your messages there. Tim writes, Buck, tell Elizabeth Warren, sometimes referred to as Pocahontas, that Dukakis wants his tank and helmet back. Shields high from Socialist Vermont. Well, Shields high to you, Tim. And indeed, uh, I I remember even, I think I was very young when the Dukakis helmet tank debacle happened. Uh, And I I have some memory of it, but maybe I'm just imagining. I'm imagining the memory. Uh, But yes, Warren's... Warren's DNA debacle is in a class by itself, really is. Ed writes, Buck, I'm driving through Pocahontas, Iowa. Listen to your webcast when I see this sign. You are very popular here, Shields High. Oh, wow. Sexton. There is a Sexton running for the Iowa House. Hey, Producer Mike, can we find out who uh, 
you know who in in Iowa is named has last name Sexton, uh, and you know we maybe have that person on the show just because they're the same last name. Iowa Sexton, how, what do we get? Mike Sexton, Iowa House Republicans. There's a guy named Mike Sexton, and I must say, I'm looking at him now. He is a dapper fellow. What's up, Mike Sexton? My brother from another mother. All right, John. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but people always get this one wrong. I say, what is a sexton? And they say, what do you mean, what is a sexton? And I say, well, obviously, it's a giant pile of awesome. And they say, okay, well, that's not a funny joke. And I say, you're right, it's not a funny joke, but a sexton is a thing. It is a last name that it, it's a it's a surname that's a profession. And I say, well, what's the profession? And then they usually go, oh, no, isn't it the thing that people on boats would use to navigate? No, that's a sex tent s-e-x-t-a-n-t a sexton as in my last name is the lay person who takes care of uh, a church uh, also can be the uh, one who digs graves and collects money during the offertory uh, so there you have it do you see that john i'm a grave digger yo yeah, you... Grave Digger! Isn't that the name of the... Isn't he a really... Is that a... Wait, that was a, is, monster that was truck. a wrestler, right? No, it was a monster truck. Oh, monster... Darn it, Buck. That's what I meant. Monster truck. I knew that. I knew that. And I've been looking for the uh, the drop to... <laughs> whenever you tell this story, I just want to play the drop, but I can't find it. It's somewhere online for sure. Yep. Well, there we, there we go. So uh, that that is that is where Sexton comes from. Don is next up here. Buck, great show, great hair, shields high. With regard to Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes, while discussing the family separation of the border, isn't it interesting that she said the law was on the books during Obama, but he didn't enforce it? Isn't that an admission of guilt? Hey, no numbers this time. Um, well, Don, I would say that it's not an admission of guilt, but yes, it's an admission that it was Obama administration policy to ignore parts of the law that Obama did not like. Um, so, yes, that, that is a thing that the Obama administration would do, and it leads to lawlessness. Unless it is for a very specific reason, and it's uh, and it's done for true uh, resource and prosecutorial discretion justifications. If it's just because I don't like this thing, so I'm not going to enforce this thing, well, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Bob writes, Google Play seems to be behind on posting your podcast thought you'd like to know i don't know john did that happen did we read behind on the podcast post this week that seems strange to me let me get that out sooner katie writes buck thanks again for your great show katie thank you for your great message now i need some advice to help resolve a political dispute my dad and i are unexpectedly at odds in our upcoming state election in mississippi we are having a special election that is pitting two republicans against each other one is a Tea Party candidate who is skewing the truth to the point of lies and who perhaps has been involved in questionable uh, pub, uh, publicity schemes. The other is an establishment centrist former Democrat. I'm not looking for an endorsement for either, but for your political philosophy. Given the option between a dirty candidate that aligns with you politically and a candidate you can trust to vote more moderately than you prefer, who do you choose? Thanks for your opinion, Katie. Katie, a very... A very uh, thoughtful question from you. Thank you so much for writing in. Um, who do well, you know? Since I, I do not know either of the people in this Mississippi race, this is just a question of establishing maybe a a means of uh, 
judging similar situations. This is really about what is my benchmark? Do I want somebody who votes the way I want or who acts the way I want but doesn't vote the way I want in a politician? And I have to say that I've evolved on this issue a bit. I, I think that uh, principles are most important for you in your day-to-day life, but principles and politicians can be very hard to come by. And to have a, a politician who holds principles but no power is pretty useless. So I would tend to say in the current political climate where centrism is really not a thing, there's no spirit of bipartisan uh, bipartisanship whatsoever, there's no effort to meet in the middle. Let me just look what happened with Justice Kavanaugh. I, I think you've got to go for whoever can deliver the policy wins. That's my honest assessment. Now, that varies. I mean, there's... There's people that are shady and there's people who are who are grotesque and, and deeply corrupt. And that's not the same thing. Uh, but, yeah, I would I would take a trustworthy on policy, but shady, personally conservative or Republican or Tea Party or whatever over a, a upstanding but legislatively unpalatable Democrat. My assessment. Robin writes, yesterday you stated you wonder if the press is delusional or just not that smart. It is both. It's a time where introspection is essentially a profession for oversensitive snowflakes. Uh, They are completely ignorant of the lengths in which they distort truth to make their agenda seem plausible. They are so ignorant they can't see their own delusions and so delusional they can't see their own ignorance. It's a psychosis which requires a diagnosis. Hey, look, it rhymed. I think Trump delusion disorder had gone further and become liberal or progressive delusion disorder. There is no area in which they can see truth. Huh. Interesting. Thank you so much for writing in. Yeah, I do think that there's a a mass hysteria and really a mass psychosis that has overtaken the left. Michael writes, uh, Hi, Buck. Since you are chatting regarding Elizabeth Warren, here are some fun nicknames. Uh, Liawatha, Fraudazuma, Fakajawea, I guess instead of Sacagawea, and of course, Focahontas and Pocahontas, Michael. Well, Michael, you are certainly a creative fellow. Appreciate you writing in. Seth, next up here, he says, I have no idea why no one has said the possible murder in Turkey is Islam's problem. With my three combat tours in the Middle East as an infantryman, I never saw stories of babies found in ovens, dead families to include journalists. Make them shut up, please. Uh, why is no one said the Tur- is Turkey is Islam's problem? Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, Seth, the, the, you're, you're not hearing any criticism of Islam. You're only hearing criticism of Saudi Arabia in this whole um, this whole murder, and that's not by accident. The left is very quick to criticize religion that is not Islam, but is very fond of defending Islam at every turn, even even radical and and more extreme interpretations of Islam. Uh, which is really where the problem lies. So there you go. Um, Jen writes, The way you hear the news talk about the reporter, at first I thought it was one of ours. This is not our issue, not our citizen, and not on our territory. I feel like this wouldn't have been so big an issue if Trump hadn't just succeeded in getting our pastor back. Have to draw attention away from that to something we have no control over. I really do dislike the media. They make my head hurt. Well, Jen, I agree with you. Thanks, everybody, for uh, writing in. On that one, I appreciate hearing from you as always. Big, big show tomorrow and every day this week, including Friday. Some of you thought I might be out. I'm here every day this week, every day next week, every day next week. I'm not going anywhere, team, except hanging out with you. Until next time, Shields High. 
your bank account information, your private emails, your proprietary business information, it's all online. It's in the cloud and you need to access it. But what if you're using public Wi-Fi or what if you're using an unsecured network in any capacity? Do you think your stuff is safe? Well, you know there are breaches going on all the time. Those breaches can cause incredible damage to your finances and massive headaches. But what if I could offer you a way as somebody who understands information security and has always known that protecting your data from my earliest days at the CIA was essential, right? You got to protect your information. ExpressVPN will do it for you. A VPN is a virtual private network and ExpressVPN creates an ability for you to connect without worrying about intrusions, hackers, or any of that stuff. It costs less than $7 a month and it will make sure you don't hand over your online history to your internet provider so it can get resold. Protect your activity online today with expressvpn.com slash buck. That's expressvpn.com slash buck.